0: So we'll begin in verse 9, and it says in verse 9 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our ways unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You may be seated. You know, this morning we found that uh, we're to have a spirit of giving out of love, and here we find that we are to abound in love tonight. And so, as you look at the subject matter of love, if you go look it up in the scriptures, it it is amazing how many times the word love is used in the scriptures. Love, loveth, loving, loving kindness. You start looking at the word love, and uh, there's thousands of references to this inside the scriptures. And so, I challenge you just to go in and read about the subject matter of love uh, in the Old and New Testament. And so, this is an important matter to God, this subject matter of love. And so, It's clear that Paul had a strong love for the people of Thessalonica. As you read these, he's praying for their continued growth in uh, the faith that God had given to them in Christ Jesus. He's praying for them to grow in their faith. And so Paul demonstrates his love through the writings and the care that he had for the people, and he calls them uh, to have that same type of abounding love one toward another. And so I challenge you tonight just to think about this as well as myself. Do you have an abounding love for your brothers and sisters, especially those in Christ. do You have an abounding love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, when you talk about this abounding love, and he said we're to abound in love one toward another, we're to have an overflowing love, and we're to show or demonstrate that. And so it's supposed to be an overflowing love, excessive amount of love one toward another, according to the Bible. Right now, I have a black lab that belongs to my neighbor, and Emily has an abounding love for this dog, and I'm ready to take him out. And uh, he keeps showing up every morning, and I'll have my suit on, getting ready to come to church, and I can't even think of the dog's name, Bo. Bo. (laughs) Bo belongs to my neighbor, and I like Bo when I'm in my jeans. When I'm in my suit, Chris, I don't like him so much anymore, especially when he runs through the field and comes to greet me so happily. Now, my daughter has an abounding love for this dog, but me, I have something else I'd like to give him on Sunday mornings. So I tell him, get out of here, and he stops. He'll cease for just a second. But man, as soon as I start heading toward the car, as soon as I turn my back on him, he's like, boom, he jumps up and grabs my arm. And uh, he just wants to love on you. So he has an overflowing love for me. Huh? An overflowing love. Not I toward him. And he doesn't recognize it yet, Jim. Jim. And I'm going to help him recognize it on a Sunday morning one morning. (laughs) Now, here it is. We overflow or show an excessive amount of love one toward another, according to the Bible. Now, there's some steps, I think, Paul's saying, here's some steps that you need to take. And I want you to kind of look at these with me, these steps that we can take to show an abounding love one toward another. One of the things that I love about this is he says in verse 10, he said, listen, we want to show up. We want to be with you. We want to come and see you face to face. Notice what he says and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. He's looking to try to help them with something. And and so he comes and he says, it's it's a question, it's in the form of a question. He said, we've been praying night and day exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, we're going to get into that in a moment, but helping others to perfect their faith. And then, the second thing is, notice what he says here, that he says that, uh, now God himself and our father and our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, direct our way unto you. You ought to underline that in your Bible. God's the one that's in charge to direct us, is he not? Paul wanted to go over there, but he said, I want God to direct our way unto you. So it's important that we listen to God about direction. And then thirdly, this increasing in love. If you look at this, he says in, uh, in, in verse, uh, uh, 12 here. And he said, the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. So increase and abound in love. So we're going to talk about this, perfecting the faith first. And we're going to see what Paul's to, uh, talking to the church about. So we see this, that the, the love and the care Paul had for these people. And he clearly spelled out by the language that he uses here to describe his excitement over their faith. And he asked a rhetorical question, how could God Repay us. Notice this. He said, For what thanks can we render to God? That's where the question comes from. That word render is an accounting term. And he says this He says, How can we repay the Lord for you? (laughs) Demonstrating the very strong emotions that he had about their faith and the love that he had toward these people. He said, How can I add that up? He can't calculate the love that's there. And he goes on to explain. Uh, and, he, and he says, man, this is a cheerful delight and a calm happiness for them before God. And it brings Paul uh, to action. And he sees what's starting to happen in other people's lives, and it brings him to action. How many of you get excited to watch other Christians start to prosper? Amen. I'm talking about prospering in the Lord. How many of you get excited about that? You see changes in their life, and you're like, yes! <laughs> it's exciting! And man, you start doing the happy dance. And you just love to see other people abound in the Lord. And listen, God wants us to delight in those things. Paul and the others that might have been with him or traveling with him, notice what he said. We're praying an excessive amount. He said, night and day, praying exceedingly. That idea is an excessive amount of prayer going on for these people, isn't it? And how many of you remember Brother Dustin telling us to pray for the what? Saved and the unsaved, right? And now Paul is telling us here, he said, listen, pray an excessive amount. You know, excessive love, excessive prayer, probably not going to hurt any of us, is it? And and he's saying, I want you to pray excessively for these people. And so he's saying this is what we're doing, an excessive amount above measure that we would be able to see the Christians of Thessalonica face-to-face. This was with a purpose, and so that is to say that we might perfect that, which is lacking in your faith. Chris, I enjoyed our lunch the other day, man. I'm into coffee, you know. It was great, wasn't it? I enjoyed hanging out with him, man. It's good to hang out with Christians, isn't it? Man, just start talking to folks. Man, find out a little bit about them. Reaching out to them, talking to them a little bit. We found out we had more in common than we knew. We both got a lot of problems. Amen? Oh, I didn't mean to say that out loud. So he goes home. He sends me a text. He goes, you'll never guess what happened. I got home, and guess what? Furnace went out. I said, that's all right. Siding's off my house. My truck's broken down. (laughs) The dog's attacking me, you know what I mean? <laughs> Chris is like, I'm sorry I told you about my friend. No. <laughs> but we ought to abound in love one toward another. Excessive amount. Praying for one another. Amen. That's why I want to know. You know, I tell Aaron, text me, tell me when you sold a car. I get excited. I'm asking you to tell how many cars did you sell this week? Two. Okay. And you got another one on on the on the on the brink of a per- or selling, right? Two more, hey man? How many go pray to there and sell two more cars? He needs some money. Amen? Pray sell some cars. I didn't say he had to go buy them all. I just said pray that he sells them. Amen? <laughs> He's got a deal for you. Wait. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out, brother. <laughs> might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. It's a phrase that means completely or thoroughly repair, help you adjust or mend. You know, when I was talking uh, to Chris the other day, he, he has no idea how much he helped me the other day. See, he thinks I helped him. I didn't tell him everything he helped me with. That's stingy, isn't it? I didn't say, hey, by the way, you know, when you said this, that really helped me a lot. And it caused me to start thinking about some things. Hey, Chris, I love you, man. I want to see you here all the time. I want your family here. (laughs) Amen? Plus, I need a friend, man. I ain't got too many friends. (laughs) Just ask Jim. Amen. (laughs) So here it is. He's saying to thoroughly repair a jester, men, what is still needed to help them with their newfound faith or their newfound relationship in Christ. You no, know, we got to help each other, don't we? Amen. Well, I mean, sometimes we're just lacking, aren't we? And it's hard, and we need each other, and we've got to come up alongside each other and encourage each other help each other out from time to time. Paul, <coughs> he had an overwhelming thought of a responsibility for those lives that he had impacted for Christ, and he felt a strong need to do something about it. And here, the need for the spiritual growth is emphasized. He's saying you need to grow in your faith. And listen, folks, (coughs) we definitely need to grow in our faith. Amen? You don't want to grow stagnant. You grow stagnant by not doing anything about it. But every day, every day, you can tackle one thing at a time. Amen? One thing at a time. And you just take it one day at a time. And you go after one thing at a time. God will help you to grow. Uh, The spiritual growth is emphasized because salvation is the start of our faith. But sanctification is what it takes over time for a Christian to grow, we, we, we learn the truth of salvation, we get saved, and the sanctification process has started. And so it takes time to get through these things. See, salvation is the key to sanctification. And salvation, by the way, folks, is not a lightning bolt. It is great that we get saved, amen? It's in a moment in time we get saved. But let me share something with you. When you get saved, <laughs> that's the start of your faith, but sanctification takes time. It takes time to, to get better at being a Christian, it just takes time. Amen. You've got to learn some things. Uh, and I look at this. The convert needs to know that salvation is a one-time decision. But sanctification is this. It is a lifetime of learning the scriptures and applying them through choices of your own will. Amen. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? Sanctification is different than salvation. Salvation happens, and man, praise the Lord, I'm on my way to heaven. Sanctification, then, is me deciding I'm going to take this book and these words and start applying to my life, and I'm going to do it according to his will and not mine. Because he's trying to change my will. And it takes time to change. Would you agree with that, folks? It takes time to change. I, when I open the Bible, and I read it, I realize I'm barely where I need to be some days. Just getting over the edge, over the hump sometimes, and saying, man, I need the Lord and all these things. Uh, There is no easy button for a person to gain victory over their temptations. I mean, I wish sometimes that that I could walk out and say, Lord, (coughs) I get three shots at this each week. There is the easy button. I don't want any temptations today. Amen? (laughs) But it's not there, is it? Do you know it takes effort to do something well, doesn't it? And and what it is is if I want to be a better Christian, then I have to apply myself to what I'm learning. And, And I have to realize that the temptations are going to come. And, and, And here it is. You're trying to overcome things that you have willfully chosen to do for years to go against the Word of God. Now you're trying to change. It's not an easy thing to do, is it? That's why we need each other. Paul is saying, hey, listen, I want to come up alongside you and help you to mend or to help you repair or to help you adjust or to help you do those things that you need to do so you can make it. (laughs) And he's saying, I'm coming up alongside of you to do those things. And and listen, we need help from one another. And he said, I'll help you adjust. I'll help you mend it. I'll help you thoroughly repair whatever it is that you need done. And by the way, it's only going to come through this. And he wants you to put it into practice. Now, here's the thing. No easy button but it's important for them to understand this truth or they'll become disillusioned. I think people sometimes think I get saved and everything's going to be perfect now. It's not. Everything doesn't become perfect because I am saved. I am made perfect in Christ Jesus, so I'm going to heaven, amen, but I am a sinner saved by grace. I'm still in this old fleshly body and I'm still going to make decisions, aren't I? Amen. I'm going to do it according to my will and not his, And the thing I have to learn is I have to start giving up my will for the will of God. And here's what Paul said, "And might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. (laughs) What is lacking in your faith tonight? What do you need help with? Where do you need to make some repairs and mending and adjusting in your your spiritual life? Where are those things? And then what do you do about them? And, And listen, brothers, I'll tell you, come talk to me. I'll tell you as much as I know, I'll try to help you. But you know, it's good for you to come up alongside somebody else too and help them. (laughs) And listen, people are at different levels in their Christian life. And by the way, you're never going to take anybody any further than you are yourself as a Christian. (laughs) And you need to know the Word of God. Here it is, it's important to understand uh, and to help them understand because what happens to them is they get saved and they continue to struggle with sin and they don't understand that Christ is there to help them be sanctified, just like he was there to save them, he's there to help them be sanctified, but we have to take them to the word of God and teach them what it says so that they get the help that they need. I want Chris Blumenstock not to be dependent upon me, I want you to be dependent upon him. Now I'll teach you, I'll show you all I know, but I want to tell you something, your dependency needs to be upon God. Amen. Every one of us in here need to depend on God. Now listen, we need to help one another, amen? Amen. But I need to direct you to the scriptures so you know how to fix things. Hey, if I'm not around, what are you going to do? Your dependency needs to be upon Christ Jesus, not on the man that stands behind the pulpit. I'm here to preach and teach and do all I can to help, but I'm telling you, your reliance needs to be on Christ. Listen, that's what Paul was trying to help with, where they're lacking in their faith. (laughs) Their dependency is on God. Jesus, folks, is the answer for salvation and victory. But the same Jesus that saves is the same Jesus that enables you to have victory every day. (laughs) He's the same one that says, hey, listen, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen? Isn't that the same Jesus that did that? Hey, listen, when I open up the scriptures, he said, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. My Jesus said that, didn't he? He says these things in His Word. And what it is, is I have to take this stuff in and I have to do something with it, don't I? And by the way, folks, if you can help somebody else out, reach out to them. Show them what the Bible says. Show them what Jesus has to say. Show them what God has to say. Teach them what the Word of the Lord says. Let them become dependent on God. Show them that His Word works. And by the way, it's alive, is it not, folks? It's alive. Here it is. Jesus is the answer for salvation and victory, but the same Jesus that saves us is the same Jesus that enables victory. Salvation's immediate sanctification. I look at it this way. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment victory by choice. You choose. How many of you have gotten up and you've chosen just to have a bad day? You say, I don't do that. My stomach was hurting. I was mad because my stomach was hurting (laughs) right? We choose how we want to act, don't we? We literally choose how we want to treat other people. We choose how we want to behave. We choose our actions, do we not? Now, we want to put it off on anybody we can, (laughs) but the reality is is you make choices every day. How you want to act, how you want to behave, that is your choice. You choose to do those things. Victory Salvation is immediate. Sanctification is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment victory by choice. We're to have an abounding love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, always helping them perfect their faith. If I don't come to this pulpit and challenge you with where you are in your Christian faith, I'm useless to you. I'm useless. What I want to do is I want to challenge you to get into the Word of God, and then I want to tell you that you need to take this Bible and you need to apply it to your lives. You need to put it into practice every day. You need to be in the word of God. Always have faith also about God's leading. Notice this in verse 11. Paul says, we came over, we wanted to help you with your continued growth. And he says, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. He was waiting for God to lead him to where he needed to go, amen? How many of us get ahead of God? Well, I'm gonna go do this. Well, why are you doing that? Well, I've prayed about it. And I've heard this before, so I'm just going to go do this. Well, what brought you to that place? Mike Higgins down at Hope Children's Home. <laughs> he said, usually by the time the person comes in to me and tells me that they're getting ready to leave the ministry, he said, we've prayed about it. He said, what have you prayed about? We've prayed about where God wants us to go. He said, so you've prayed about leaving? No, we prayed about where God wants us to go. <laughs> Mike said, so you've prayed about leaving then, Right. So if you're praying and asking God to leave, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to leave. You're going to end up walking away. <clears throat> Let me share this with you. Trusting in God's direction. Now, I believe there's more than just, when he says, direct our way unto you, it was just not just about showing up over there. <laughs> he was looking for God to literally intervene in their way, in their life, to tell them what to do next. And, and as I look at this, the power by which Paul is moved to take action is not based solely upon emotions and feelings. How many of us act solely upon emotions and feelings? How we feel that day? It's a point where you say amen. Amen. We do it. How we feel that day causes us to do things, doesn't it? Our emotions drive us more than anything. More so than fact and truth, right? So as I challenge you with this... He said, Now God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. It's always key that we are taking direction from God. Do you take your directions from the Lord? Now you say, Well, listen, preacher, listen, I got to get up. I got a job. I know what I got to do. I got a schedule. I got everything. I got this. I got that. Man, I got my schedule. And and we just go floating through life like that is just exactly what we're supposed to be doing all the time. Never really considering what God might want to do with your lunch hour. We know what we want to do with our lunch hour. You know, it's Arby's, Wendy's, or, you know, whatever it is. We know what we want to do, but what does God want to do with your lunch hour? And, and here's the thing. It's always key that we're taking directions from our Lord, but it's just as important to have those that are in, our, you know, care for your souls to, to consult with people at times, to talk to folks who have some spiritual maturity to them, to reach out to people, to, to turn to folks and say, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm asking the Lord to help me with this decision that I have to make. And here's the thing. When I look at this, it's important to have those who are in care for your souls to be able to pray intelligently for them sometimes with decisions that you're making. Most of the time, folks, listen, most of the time when I get somebody, come to my office, they've already made the decision and want to know how I feel about it. Rather than saying, Pastor, would you pray with me? I have a decision to make. <laughs> I had a couple come to me one time, not here at this church. They came to me and they said, Pastor, can we talk to you? I said, sure. We get in the office. And they said, what is your opinion of bankruptcy? (laughs) Now, I didn't realize what a loaded question that was. I said, well, if, if you can help it, I wouldn't file for it. I said, I'd pay my debts. And they said, well, we filed bankruptcy. And I was like, oh, great. I just told them not to do that. And here's the thing. Most of the time when someone walks through that door that I'm sitting in over there in that office, they've already made their decision and they're coming to find out if I'll agree with it or not. They're not really looking for God's direction. They're looking for me to maybe kind of put some salve on the wound that they have or to help them just with the problem that they have that day. And they've already made their decision. They already know what they're going to do. They just want somebody to soothe maybe their conscience. And the reality is, is you should seek God and seek godly counsel when you have opportunity. And the thing of it is, is when you've already made the decision, you've already moved forward with something, I can't soothe your soul for the decision you've already made. And what I'm challenging you with is this, Paul says, listen, I, I, I didn't go over there and, and I didn't just jump on it because I'm waiting to hear from God, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the decision that we're about to make, the choice to leave the ministry that I'm at right now and to go to another. He said, I've got to pray and seek God. I've got to know what God wants me to do. I'm not just going to go for it. And the word direct here is important. Word direct his guidance. Paul's desire is not to be moved only by his emotions or feelings, because you can tell he loved these folks. He absolutely loved these people. And he said, I'm waiting for God to direct me. <laughs> he didn't just say, well, I've chosen emotionally to go do this thing. Now, as I share that with you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, how many of you just know that off by heart? <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I know that, preacher. No, you don't. You know how to say it. <laughs> you know how to say it, but you don't know it if you are deciding what you want to do and then going to God and saying, Lord, here's the decision I made. I want you to bless it now. Now, we would never say it that way. We would never say it that way. We would never say that's what we're doing, but we always always get to the place where we end up making decisions and then we go to God to ask him to bless what we've decided to do and it should be just the opposite trust in the lord with what all thine heart and lean not to thine own what understanding don't rely on yourself rely on god in all thy ways how many is that every step i take In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We discard him, we make the decision, then we acknowledge that we want to know what he wants us to do about the decision we've already made. (laughs) And it's just the opposite. Psalm 37, 23, how many of you know this? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now notice this, and he delighteth in his way. What it is, is Paul was saying right here, he said, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. He wanted God's direction, not his own. He wanted God to lead him. He didn't want to just take the lead. He wanted God to lead him. Now it's always important to seek the counsel of those whom God has put in authority over you, When you bypass that, you essentially are bypassing the Lord. And here it is young people, listen to me. All of you on this row, listen to me. When you ignore your parents, when you ignore your parents, they are an authority in your life. (laughs) And you ignore them, I promise you, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble because you've chosen to ignore your parents. That is an authority that God's placed in their life. When I I think about this, the Bible says very clearly, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, that they must give an account, that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for it's unprofitable for you. God said clearly in the Scriptures, there are people that are watching out for you. And if you're not willing to go to the one that God has appointed to watch out for you, and you're going to go make the decisions apart from that individual or apart from that family member or apart from the authority that God's placed in your life, how do you expect to succeed? What are you going to do? I'm going to direct my own path, or I'm going to pay attention to God and listen to the authorities that He's put in my life. Listen, do not overlook the one that the Lord's put in your path to help give you spiritual direction, perhaps because well, I, I'm, I'm too spiritually mature. I don't need to ask them anything. I'm too spiritually mature for that. I want to tell you that's when people fall because that's called pride because I'm too spiritually mature. I don't need to ask them anything. Or you get to that place. I want to tell you something. I get ready to move from one job to another and I was sitting, I was sitting in the pews just like you are. I was getting ready to move from one job to another. I went to my pastor. and I said, Pastor, do you think I should move jobs? And I was talking to him about it. And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, let me tell you what's going on here. When well, we began to pray about it together. He said, why don't you pray about it for a couple days and then come back and talk to me. And I'll pray about it for a couple days and we'll talk. And so I prayed with him. <laughs> And he came back and he said, what's the Lord laid on your heart? And I said, I just really believe this is something that I need to do. I wanted to get out of this corporate environment. I wanted to go over here and work for John Bennett. And I want to tell you, I wanted to get out of the corporate environment and I wanted to go work for who? John Bennett. I wanted out of the corporate environment. I wanted to go work for John Bennett. John Bennett was a member of our church. He owned his own business and I wanted out of the corporate world and I wanted to work for John Bennett. Pastor said, Pray about it first. I said, Well, he's a Christian. He said, Pray about it first. So I began to pray. And he started to teach me how to understand the will of God. And he began to take me to the scriptures and show me there's a wisdom which cometh from above that's first pure, then peaceable. Amen. So I went back to him. I said, You know, I have a peace about moving. And I moved over there, and folks, I'm not lifting myself up. I had success on that job like I'd never had in my life before. pastor said, what is the reason you think that happened? I said, I don't know. He said, did we pray about it? He said, yeah. Yeah, I said, we prayed about it. He goes, what did you think about that? He said, you think God moved you? I said, yeah, I really do. He said, Bob, you need to learn how to rely on God and godly counsel. How many of us make decisions apart from God and go do what we want to do and then come back and say, I want counsel now for what I've done? Instead of seeking it on the front end, we have already made the decision. Do you overlook those that God's put in your path? Now, I believe in this. Use every tool that the Lord has placed in your arsenal to overcome the simple feelings and emotions that we go through. Every one of us face them, amen? We have to learn how to trust God and not our feelings and emotions. We have to learn how to really trust in his word, trust in his counselors for his direction. And I think Paul was saying to these folks, listen, we want to come over to you. We love you. We want to be there. It's the feelings and emotions that are kicking, aren't they? We want to come over and see you face to face. But listen, we're waiting on God's what? To direct our own way over there. We're waiting on God to direct us to come over there. So we are to wait on God's direction. We're to have an abounding love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, always helping them to perfect their faith. How do we do that? I think sometimes when mom and dads, when mature Christians demonstrate their faith to others, that they're relying on God, it helps them with their faith. It helps them to perfect some things in their own lives. It teaches them the reliance on God and His Word. Let me get to this last one. Allow the Lord to expand your care for others. Notice what Paul says here in verse 12. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. (laughs) And he begins to explain some things. To the end that we may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Increasing in love. Allow the Lord to expand your care for others. This has the idea of growth or an area that we need to grow in. And, And I began to look at this, and we have to learn how to love one another biblically as we grow in our faith so our love for others will grow. And then I began to read this again, and I thought, well, wait a minute. The Lord is the one that will make you increase and abound in love. Read what that says. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love. What does it say? Who's going to do it? I can't do it by myself, can I? It is the Lord that will make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. It's the Lord that does that. God's the one that does that. The Lord is the one I have to rely upon to be able to love people at times. And and the Lord is the one who will cause you to grow in your faith and love one toward another. In 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, he he tells us in those passages things that we need to continually add to our faith. And one of those things is, he said, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and patience, godliness, and to godliness, Brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness. In other words, he said, don't just be kind to one another, but add charity on the end of that. Love one another. That's what it takes. Love. Caring as God cares. And I looked at this and I said, wow. And he says, charity, for if these things be in you, now wait a minute, what things? Kindness and love and charity and patience and temperance, isn't it? He said, man, if these things be in you... You ready for this? Not as they just be in you. The next word that he uses, that they abound. That they abound. He says this in this passage. For if these things be in you and abound... Listen to this. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ things that we need to add to our faith, right? And not just that I'm kind to people. Did you hear what I said? It's not just that I'm kind to people, but that I love them. And I show that love. This type of growth only occurs through your continual growing relationship with the Lord. You say, well, preacher, how do you do that? Well, How many of you have a real prayer time where you're alone with God? I'm not talking about getting with a group and praying with a group, and I'm not talking about... Just doing some maybe uh, some standard prayers sometimes over food or something like that. I'm saying, how many of you get alone with God and pray? I mean, really pray. Get down on your knees, get alone with God. Get somewhere where it's you and Him alone and you really pray to God. I didn't say complain to God, I didn't say just wallow in the mire. (laughs) I said get on your knees and ask God. What is the direction I need to take? And Lord, help me to love as I ought to love. Help me to do what I need to do to please you, Lord. I challenge you tonight to continually grow. How? Well, prayer helps. Do you know what else helps? Reading your Bible. You need to read your Bible. There is not a single solitary person in here that I can tell you, no, it's okay, don't worry about reading your Bible. Everybody in here ought to be reading their Bible. Everybody ought to be reading their Bible. You ought to have a constant study of the Scriptures in your life somewhere. You ought to be reading the Scriptures. And I look at this and I say, I I don't need to just read them, but the Bible clearly told me something else that I need to do. And if I'm going to increase in love and in knowledge of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I need to study the Word of God. And the Bible clearly says, study to show thyself approved unto God. We need to study God's Word. You need to find a book in there and say, you know what, I need to saturate my heart and mind. Pastors going through 1 Thessalonians right now, how many of you have saturated your hearts and minds with 1 Thessalonians? And I've been preaching it for weeks now. How many of you have saturated your heart with 1 Thessalonians? Said, you know what, I want to know what this book says. I want to know what it means. I want to know what God wants me to know from this book. From this letter that Paul wrote to these people many, many years ago. Listen, it's full of what we need to live. <laughs> and what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to gain from it? Well, we need to fellowship, too. We're going to have a fellowship after service tonight. Fellowshipping's is good. It helps us. And we need to fellowship one with another. Fellowshiping and reaching out to others. Soul winning, telling people about Jesus Christ, increasing in love is not only for those who are saved, but we're to have a growing love even for the unsaved. Because it's to be toward all men, unto all men, not just the saved people, but unsaved people as well. But you know, God gave us some verses. I'm going to give these to you real quick. You can write these down. 1 John 3 14, right here. 1 John 4 7 and 8. 1 John 4 20 and 21. The Bible says we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother, a brother abideth in death. (laughs) Hey, husbands and wives, the closest sister in Christ you have, the closest brother in Christ you have is the man and the woman that live together. (laughs) If you hate your wife or you hate your husband, the love of God abideth not in you. The passage clearly says we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. 1 John 4, 7, and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If we don't love one another, who are we? Well, I've learned to tolerate them. That's not what God said. He didn't say learn to tolerate each other. He said learn to love one another. Amen? No. Let me give this last set of verses to you in 1 John 4, 20 21. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. And who's the father of all lies? <laughs> and, you, and you look at this, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Well, I don't be showing love one toward another all the time. I told you this morning, the easiest thing in the world to do is be a critic, amen? So this love will help us to accomplish an area of growth for you as a believer. It will establish your hearts unblamable in holiness before God. In other words, it will strengthen you. It will help you stand firm in your beliefs. When I was looking at this, it'll help us in our thoughts and our feelings and our thinking and understanding. I mean, it'll bring us to the place where we really start to grasp what this means. And God begins to work in our hearts. It leaves us with a characteristic of God, and that characteristic of God is a holiness. That's, it's a faultless characteristic of God, and He gives it unto us. It's something that He allows us to possess, <laughs> And he gives us that holiness, and he says, listen, uh, uh, you have this life now. As long as you're waiting upon the Savior, you can live in holiness along with all the saints. And then he says, we're to have an abounding love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of you really love as God intends for us to love? Really love one another as God intends for us to love one another? Now, wait a minute. This morning we were talking about giving out of love, right? So we have to have some compassion. We need to show this love indeed and, and in truth. We have to do these things. Tonight, he says, we need to abound in it. We need to exceed abundantly above. <laughs> we need to do that.